Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 58 of Little Things for Bonsai People. This time, I am joined by one of my co-hosts. It's going to be Carmen Leskovinsky this time. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Pretty excellent. Pretty excellent. Wonderful. It's one of the best times of the year here in the United States. Um, so I was just in the back. I had a Sawzall, and I was literally hacking Trident Maples down to stumps. Just having a- I thought you were going to say Christmas, but cutting <laughs> <laughs> Trident Maples is fun, too. <laughs> yeah, we are in the Christmas season. All the holiday Yay, capitalism. Topics. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, today's topic is going to be what we will put in our bonsai tool bag and why they are important. We're going to go over a list of bonsai tools. We are a bonsai beginner podcast to a little bit more advanced for, got, for anyone that's listening that's brand new to this episode. So we like to go back and cover the basics every once in a while. I think it's fair. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people. Come on over there and become a bonsai best bud at the $5 level and you can go in the discord and hang out with these amazing people starting off our list with Tori Solis, Vicky Alt, Boyd Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Stappy Chappers, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight, Backyard Bonsai Australia, Greenwich Gardens, Taylor Peacock, Chase Pertweet, Austin Atkins, Karen Coswell, Un... Un... Oh god. Unruin? Is that right? No, nope. nope, it's Ryu. Nope. Unryu in. Unryu in. Uh... They uh they also are our specimen bonsai best bud, uh, Louis Torres, AC Castle bonsai marine, Jazz Potts, Chris, Chris Fasoon, Tiffany Arsenal, Randy Bennett, Victrina. Said Tiffany again. <laughs> oh, I did. It's okay. He'll deal with it. Victrina Ridgeway, Laron's bonsai yard, Nancy Hoffman, Nate Murray. Nancy Hoffman again because I put her down as a new member and co- totally goofed on it. You get two shout outs this week. <laughs> Joshua yeah, Roth Tools. What was that? Yeah, Nancy. Yeah, you're you're doing great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, uh and then JM Stewart Woodworking. Uh, so Joshua Ooh. Roth Tools and JM Stewart Woodworking are our actual brand new Boneside Best Buds this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for signing on at the $5 Bonsai Best Bud patron level. And speaking of Joshua Roth, we do have a little special thing to announce on this episode. But uh, I want to go ahead and mention our editor, Matt, Matt O'Donnell. He makes us sound smart. He cleans up our audio, makes us enjoyable to listen to. Go over to mattodonnell.com. That's O-D-O-N-N-E-L-L.com. Fill out a co- contact form to start your own podcast show or audio engineering project with him. He's a set basis living in Nashville, Tennessee, and he's an all-around awesome guy. It's in the script. I read it every time. Uh, for Joshua Roth, though, we uh, we have a special sponsor from them, a sponsorship, so that's amazing. I would like to thank John uh, with Joshua Roth Tools so much for this. This, this means the world to have a really high-end a uh, very nice brand of tools supporting our show because they just really like our show. Um, so, and one of the things that they're actually offering is we're doing giveaways now. So uh, me and Carmen have been thinking about a way to be creative on how to give away some tools. What do you think, Carmen? Yeah. So we have decided that if you are in our $5 patron level, we'll be pulling a random name out of a hat and, um, 
for one of the cool Joshua Roth tools that we have. Um, you have until December 25th to become a $5 level patron. And then we will pull the name, I don't know, sometime before, after, sometime after Christmas, before the new year. And we'll announce it here on the podcast and send you your fancy schmancy new Joshua Roth tool. Yep. And tools will, uh, could include anywhere from their really awesome, uh, stainless steel bonsai trimming shears, concave cutters, um, knob cutters. They even have some really fancy hats, some like dad style hats that they've given me to give away. So, mm. uh, it'll be like a, like a, a nice little present. So, uh, we'll do random pulls and then I'll do random pulls on the stuff that I have to, to give away. I mean, thank you again, Joshua Roth so much for, uh, sponsoring our show. So, yeah, uh, that's super awesome. I'm super excited. Actually, I really, I need some new tools cause I've screwed up a couple of mine recently. So this is great timing. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, this is really good timing for everything. Cause, uh, cause like before we even spoke with Joshua Roth, um, I was planning on doing a tool bag episode anyway, like a special kind of thing where we kind of we're laid back on this one. Uh, I know we just had some really big guests this previous episode. Uh, so that was a little mind boggling and, uh, mm -hmm. it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but it's not every day that you get to talk to somebody like that, like Tommy Lee. So, uh, <laughs> and, that was uh, like super surreal. I'm just sitting in my bedroom on a zoom call with Tommy Lee. It's like, what, what is my life? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's that was super that fun. Me, me and Mike talked about that too. Um, it's just, it's very interesting. Uh, yeah, we want to go ahead and if Tommy's out there uh, listening, thank you again for being on the show. That was really cool. Yeah, that was really um, fun. Thank you. Yeah. So as far as bonsai tools go, um, you know, there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot of ground to cover there. But mm -hmm. uh, before we get into that though, I mean, uh, we were talking a little bit pre-recorded. Uh, you had actually taken a trip to Bonsai Mirai. Uh, was that yeah. last week? Do you want to tell listeners about that a little bit? Yeah, that was it was super cool. So we had a, a visitor in the garden um, for the last week or so, um, and we were able to go see Mirai while he was here. And um, I've only ever seen it in photographs online, you know, all that stuff. Um, and to actually go there was a really surreal experience. It was it's it's everything you see in the pictures, but like you're there, and it's it's kind of an overwhelming place. There's so many trees, and everything is super high quality material, um, a lot of really big stuff. So it was, it, it was just, um, it's so funny. I I kind of ran out of words, and I you know I talk a lot. So at one point, I was just walking around, just like staring at everything, not knowing what to say really. So it was. It was a really cool experience. Um, I'm glad I was finally able to make it out there. Um, I have a contact from Michigan who was out there uh, working. And um, so he got us a, a nice little inn and it, it was great. We spent a few hours walking around the yard, talking with Ryan, um, checking out what the students were doing. And yeah, just some of the, the Ponderosas in particular that were there were so twisty and knotted and just, you know, stuff you don't see every day. And then some of the plantings were um, really unique. They weren't they weren't traditional, but they weren't totally, you know, like crazy. It was just uh, something with a more modern pot, a, an awkward planting angle that worked really well, or like a, something planted on a rock planted in a dish or something like that. So it was just um, really interesting 
really interesting presentations of stuff uh, throughout the garden. And um, yeah, it was it was cool. I'd recommend anybody who can get out there uh, either to work with Ryan or to uh, just see the garden. It's it's a pretty amazing experience. So, yeah, yeah. it's cool. Um, I'm interested to see that this. I know there's that cultural redwood planting he has that's in that gazebo thing. Dude, it's like it's monstrous. It's so big. Yes. Yeah. And then it's, it's all on than I would imagine it from the photos, right? Yeah. You can like you have to climb through it. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> it's and then it's all situated on a large piece of deadwood redwood. Huh? Uh, but each each section is like its own separate tree or set of trees and there's just so much to look at within that composition um yeah it has its own it's little gazebo it's it's its own cold storage so i get pan it gets panels on it in the winter time has its own heater its own spigot for water it's it's like a it's a whole room of redwood it's it's very cool yeah um (laughs) huge because i know that that one's a big deal that one's pretty interesting i know he's been working on that for a good number of years (laughs) um there's there's too many trees in his portfolio to like go through um yeah <laughs> but you know and, and it was cool to see some that i had seen online or trees that i've seen in other people's yards that have ended up there or um you know he's been buying in a lot of stuff from the backcountry boys and i remember seeing them posting some things going oh man that would be an amazing tree to work on and then i saw it in ryan's yard and it was it was really cool to yeah. um to see some of those trees fresh from the mountains, ready to go. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, that's bonsai history in the making for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that there's a few other trees that have passed through his hands recently that, you know, you know just go over to uh, bonsaimarai.com and just go to his portfolio area mm-hmm. and you'll see what I'm talking about. I know uh, that there's probably going to be a lot of cross- reference stuff here i mean we we talk about ryan every once in a while and um i know that he's also got his bonsai mirai uh learning uh channel which is mm-hmm. i mean an invaluable source of information so not a not a sponsor of the show or anything he's just obviously a really good cool guy go over and uh, check out his <laughs> stuff uh, yeah if you're into american bonsai or you know american species it's definitely worth checking out his work and how but, he approaches some of the material in ways that aren't necessarily traditional um but but really interesting they're doing some cool stuff over there as far as science goes to um he's got a background in horticulture so it's it's kind of fun to hear about um some of the some of the stuff they're working on as as the labs they're working with and all of that so Maybe. yeah it's it's cool stuff um and yeah i don't know it's it's probably I want to go some, back. I want to go look again. I could sit there all day and just stare at some of those trees. They're pretty cool. Um, it's probably a similar experience that I had to whenever I went to Dan Robinson uh, <laughs> to see his collection over in what's the name of the area over there? Those oh, little shit. gardens. Uh, oh, the uh, Olympic Peninsula area. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's the like outside green. of Seattle. Yeah. And uh, yeah. a lot of his trees, like you said, I've seen some of those uh, trees in, in books and in photos online and stuff. And seeing them in person, mm-hmm. it's like, this is really something else. And to know mm-hmm. the training and the age and the time put into those trees, it's it's incredible. And it makes you want, like you said, it makes you want to go out there and just be with the tree. 
you know, and yeah. explore it and look at the details and see all the work, the years of work on it. That's really what I like seeing in these older trees and these uh, professional collections. So uh, mm-hmm. I know I recommend this a lot in the show, but if you have a bonsai collection near you and you haven't been and you know a professional works in your area or something, just go. It, it will really, mm-hmm. really help you out. Oh, yeah, goodness. just go look at trees. To go spend time with with trees, and you'll start to see some things that you know you've never seen before, or you know new ways of doing things, or just just enjoying the trees that are in your area. I think is super important just to you know help support bonsai um, um, where you are. So, yeah, and I mean that's one of the things I like uh, during the holiday seasons. I have a lot of people coming in buying beginner trees and stuff and uh for their loved ones for you know and they're like okay well um how do they style this and that's always like the one of the funniest mm-hmm. things one of the funniest questions i get i'm like that's not my journey what you, yeah. what you need to tell them <laughs> is to look at as many bonsai trees as possible mm-hmm. you know pictures in person and then visit our nursery and they, I mean, if they haven't been here, tell them come here and we could talk mm-hmm. and I show them all the things that are possible. And I mean, it's, that's a really hard question to answer. And so, yeah, that's another way to do it. I mean, arboretums, professional collections, um, classes, obviously, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, we should, after the holidays and I don't know, Matt can cut this out if, if he wants to, but we should do an episode that's like, oh, so you got a bonsai for Christmas. Now what? Because no, no we should definitely do that. <laughs> That would be so fun. <laughs> I think we'll, I, that's, you know what? I'm putting that in the show notes. You're, yeah. Uh, you're That'll genius. be like our first episode of the year. Like, you don't so get enough you credit. Bonsai for Christmas. Now what? You don't get enough credit. You get this one. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm writing that down. <laughs> you got a bonsai for Christmas. Now what? <laughs> I like that. Don't uh, put it on your coffee table. Step one. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later mm-hmm. um but but yeah bonsai tools so um mm. where do we start with this so great question um what are, what is the essential bonsai tool bag look like mm-hmm. and, and i know you work in a studio with michael and you guys have tools we have ev- tools like we have a tool that we just pulled out for the first time since I've worked with Michael and I've known him since I've known him for, oh God, what year is it? I've known him for more than five years. And it's the first time I've ever seen this tool used. And we just pulled it out yesterday, two days ago. I don't remember this week. So yeah, there's so many tools out there. I think for me personally, my go-tos are uh, the bud scissor, um, the concave cutter, wire cutters, yep. pliers, and a chopstick. Those five are my must-haves for doing bonsai. So, um, so a bud cutter. So let's start with that a one. Bud scissor. So that's just like, it's a scissor, but it's the, I like the smaller scissors, like the seven inch um, small blade. Some people use the, the longer handled ones or the slightly bigger ones, but I like the small scissors and it might just be because I have small hands, but um, it, they're very good for trimming. Um, and I mean, that's your, that's, that's the pair of scissors that you guys see whenever, um, 
I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, Mr. Miyagi's trimming the tree with his mm-hmm. scissors. And they're kind of like, uh, you know, they just look like a regular pair of trimming shears. You know, they could be long handle. Uh, they're usually narrow, like the they call it Kiri style. Um, it's a K-I-R-I, um, which is, you know, one of the types of tools that we will be giving away. That's a Joshua Rotha tool. Joshua, Joshua Rotha. Joshua Roth tool uh, is a Kiri style. Um, I know you, the listeners can't see what I'm holding, but I do have a very uh, basic yeah. version of bud trimmers. Yep. Uh, they're they, they could be like Carmen said, they could be seven inches. They could be all the way up to, I've seen them like nine inches, like obnoxiously long. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, bud trimming specifies what exactly what their name is. And I think that the bud trimmer is probably the, the most abused tool in the whole tool bag. Yep. It's the one that you're like, I don't really feel like grabbing a wire cutter. So I'm just going to try <laughs> to cut this size 16 copper wire with the scissor in my hand. And then you regret it. And then you dent the crap out of your blade. And then you're like, crap, now I need a new tool again. So yeah. don't do not do that. <laughs> they some Sometimes, and there, there are some tool brands out there that say that their bonsai bud cutter or bon, bonsai shear is, is big enough to handle, I think, somewhere. I'm going to think about like, cop, like copper versus aluminum, because aluminum, we deal with it in millimeter, like... Uh, yeah, millimeter. Wait, mm-hmm. is that right? No, that's copper. Yeah, I don't know. Millimeter. Uh, it's the other way around for for how we sell aluminum here at our at our nursery. But the the mm-hmm. smallest pieces, like we call it number one, mm-hmm. or you guys would call it the other way around, it'd be like number fourteen. Oh, for uh, yeah, for copper, it's the the tiny one is like twenty four. We never use that though. Almost. Oh, like the tiniest of tiniest. Yeah. Tiny, tiny, tiny. And you know, like even the tiny one, like yeah, you could you could clip copper. Aluminum's much softer. So actually, I have a pair of scissors, and so I don't know. This is all, at, we're still in the range of scissors, but there are scissors for everything. The bud trimmers, I think, are your essential. But it's good to have another pair of scissors, maybe a little heavier duty for root work. And we have a pair of root scissors that I love because it has a wire cutter kind of built into it. So when you're doing repotting and stuff, it's super nice to just be able to use the same tool um for that yeah i'm and gonna see if for, i can find another one because that one's michael's and i want one um yeah for so so but the the bud scissor is like i was saying like you want to cut small you know branching you know you, you don't want to cut anything i i guess the best way for me to describe it's like pinky size is kind of like mm-hmm. or you should max out with that tool um, yeah, with the scissors for that question, my answer is if you if you think that the branch is too big to cut with your scissor, like if you're questioning it, it then is. it's too big. Like, <laughs> like don't if do you're it. applying pressure and you're like, man, this just doesn't feel like this, this is going. Yeah. It's going this the way I need it to. Yeah, um, it won't. Dial it back and use either larger shears or mm-hmm. or use a. Our next tool that is on the list, um, that I think is a, kind of the next essential tool. I know you 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 said your list earlier, and we should have jotted that down or something. But um, oh, here I'll, I can jot it down. So yeah, so we got our bud our bud scissor, and then um, we got our our concave con- cutter. Concave cutter, um, not our convex, but a nope. concave. Concave. 
Yeah. So uh, this is usually the tool that goes up to the the bigger size branches you can cut up to a thumb, usually with this. And whenever I'm describing tools and I'm talking about cutting things, it's always a little weird to tell people like, yeah, you could cut something around about as big as your pinky with this one and a thumb with the other one. And then like yeah. I sit there and have like these intrusive thoughts of being like, oh, I cut my, th- go ahead, finish your thought. No, I'm just like, your intrusive if- thought. no, no. My intrusive thought of like, oh, I could cut my thumb off with that. Yeah. I'm like, should, should I, no, I, sh- I should not cut my thumb with that. No, oh, it's like- I cut my thumb with a concave cutter the other day, but it was an accident. So yeah, that's, that's another thing. Tool safety. I, I've done it more than one time, mm-hmm. but like I'll have my bud scissors and I will be going through a tree just like methodically mm-hmm. trimming back uh, different different parts for to, you know to achieve different uh, parts of the refinement or to get my to line my you know basically bud selection. And mm-hmm. I'll put my hand right in the way, and I've snipped through my right hand mm. into like different angles and like the tips and the sides of my finger. Luckily, yep. I haven't cut down to the bone. Uh, but I usually, I usually pull my hand back quick enough for me to not cut all the way through sometimes. Do you ever like, cause I've done that before too, where like, and I know the scissors are going to cut my hand. Like I know my hand is in the way, yeah. but for some reason I'm just like, I'm so on autopilot. I'm like, oh, I'm going to cut myself. Oops. Like, it- <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I know I should have moved my hand and I didn't. Yeah. And it's kind of like when you get that that rhythm and you get that confidence when you're using your tools and and you become very familiar with the way that you move around a tree with your mm-hmm. with your tools and then we forget that our skin's like super soft and very uh very cuttable <laughs> with yeah. with a metal pair of scissors so yes. that's one of the careful. things that people don't tell you about with bonsai is that you know like they're like oh i'm getting ready to uh go meditate and go hang out with my tree and then you cut like the tip of your callus of your finger off and you're just like mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know those are the moments that will define whether or not you uh you want to keep trimming your tree um, yeah but luckily Wait till you get to carving Ooh. oh yeah carving is a whole different thing we'll get to carving Carve in a little while um but yeah right. yeah I've seen, some, cutters. I've seen some pretty brutal carving accidents uh yeah so but yeah, like luckily, if you keep your shears sharp, like your your regular shears, mm-hmm. they're because I call I tell other people it's not an intrusive thought. I'm like, if it's surgically sharp, you're cutting uh, live tissue. It should be a nice clean cut. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh god. And then I'll think about when I've cut through my finger, and I'm like, oh, if I just put like one of those butterfly band aids on this, it'll heal over because it's a clean cut. Yeah, so. and it does. Stay positive. <laughs> You'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, a concave cut. How did you cut yourself with that? You just like tip of the I, here's Here's another pointer for everybody. Don't you use the wrong tool for the job. I was using, I had a concave in my hand and so I was using it to finish wrapping a wire instead of a plier. Oh, And God. I should have used, yeah, that was really dumb. My thumb just got right in the way. And I just like, it was a, a new concave too. And so I, real sharp. So yeah. I surgically, very precisely cut the side of my thumb open. It healed really fast though, so... It's the benefit of sharp tools, I suppose. Don't use concave cutters to twist your wire, Garmin. I know. I know better. Every time I use the wrong tool for the job, I get hurt. I know how many times I had to tell you this. It happened with the saw. I used a saw that was too small once and cut my finger too. Yeah. So <sighs> don't don't use the, the, the wrong tool for the job. 
And yep. another thing too that another pro tip is don't work above your head. Yeah, don't do that. That's something that we don't think about often. Um, I used to do tradesman work before I did bonsai professionally. So I've had my fair share of mishaps and uh, and learning moments doing that type of stuff, with, you know, drills and power tools and all that good stuff and mm-hmm. saws and sc- even a screwdriver can jack you up. Um, oh, so if you're working above your head with the bonsai, go get like a stepping stool. I know uh, in Carmen's case, this is probably something she has to do. Uh, I need this regularly. <laughs> do that regularly. Um, I've, been up, I've been up to Michael's and uh, the stepping stool is always something uh, that's just on hand. Yeah. Uh, most of the trees there, you know, and bonsai trees can be re- really tall, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so bring them down to and, your level, you know, because yeah. one of the things with that, too, is like if you're working above your head, your arms are going to get tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you could drop the tool in your face. I've done that before. Yeah. And with pointy tools you know, oh. and they're heavy. They're metal, man. Heavy Good. metal. Dude, they're heavy metal. They'll they're heavy metal. Rock and roll. Rock and roll bonsai tool. Go through your foot if you drop it. Um, don't Thanks. don't do that. It's no. it's not so metal uh to drop a tool on your foot. Um like I, I, I would rather drop the tool on my foot than have it hit the floor and chip, but that's oh, a different yeah, yeah. That that's another but thing I also wear steel toes, so there you go. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't stand wearing steel toe boots. That's more power to you. You <clears throat> really, really yeah. good for kicking things <laughs> <laughs> out of frustration or things just around the yard. Uh, I don't know, just you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever's, whatever's in the way at the moment. Look out for the steel toe. Watch out. Um, but I mean, that's that's a smart thing to do because lifting trees and dropping right. the occasional tool. Um, because I mean, I've dropped my bud shears or my just regular shears just with a nice sharp point and they'll uh-huh. go they'll go tip down and we have a like a vinyl in the in the workshop where i work at and just sticks uh-huh. standing straight up like like an arrow oh uh, you know that's probably it probably saves your tools from chipping though i should probably get a mat to work on instead of a cement floor yeah there, there's another tip um uh-huh. we should have called this like Five tips to keep your bonsai tools like sharp and nice. Yeah, <laughs> to not uh, ruin your tools or hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, not to jack yourself up. Uh, yeah, the uh, I know a lot of people prefer mm-hmm. to work like depends on your workspace too. I mean, some people work in their garage or in their carport where they have concrete and asphalt. It's metal you can get on a cheap, like a cheap rubber mat from Home Depot or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like a like a fatigue mat, like you know those yeah. mats they put down for for a chef, mm-hmm. something like that. People that stand on their feet, those are good because <laughs> I mean, if you're standing up a lot too with your bonsai and you're working for long hours on your trees, I mean, see yeah. that goes a long way. But I yeah, that, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, no. Now it depends on how high up you drop your tool from too. You might chip it. Right. Um, for me, it's pretty low, so. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm on the stool. (laughs) The travel distance is a little bit, uh, a little bit better. Uh, But for me, I'll drop a, I'll drop a tool from, you know, five foot. 20 feet up and just. Seven feet up. Yeah. Yeah. So tall. And the bald, bald cypresses out here are, most of our bald cypresses are big trees. So, um, and I work outside in like gravel and, you know, stuff like that too. And tools don't like that either. I mean, Uh dulling them up is, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, the, the, the concave cutter, that is the tool 
I think that we go back to that. I think the concave cutter, it comes with different sizes as well. I've seen four inch concave cutters for like show hen stuff, all the way up to like 12 inch concave cutters, like big. Oh man, the big concave cutters, they work great for cutting bamboo and large branches. You can get something maybe even a little bigger than your thumb if you have the biggest concave cutter they make. <laughs> don't, don't think about that. Uh, <laughs> man, this, this episode <laughs> is putting all kinds of just weird. Uh, I just, just uh, never mind. I almost was very inappropriate there. <laughs> but uh but no uh yeah the the concave cutter if you guys are not familiar with it you can i mean google is a thing too but the the blade is it looks like a a little door of blade like it it comes out and then you have this flat side to it where it opens up mm-hmm. and it's usually got a point to it where uh where you i mean that's very useful the different aspects of these tools are useful in different degrees so usually mm-hmm. you point Use the point of that that tool to dig into the wood slightly if you're cutting off a bigger branch or you're trying to get something flush, and then you mm-hmm. use the leverage of however big your concave cutters are, and they'll scoop the wood out to an extent. They're not like a another tool that we're going to talk about here in a little while, but uh, but they will. Like I tell I tell people the best case scenario for a concave cutter is like cutting out crotch branches. So mm-hmm. that's whenever three branches are growing together and there's a third branch in the middle. And uh, you want to cut that branch out, make a nice, clean uh, transition between the two branches you cut back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks very nice. And then it also gives the tree a nice surface to heal and to roll over so that as time goes on, it'll heal the wounds instead of these jagged cuts oh. or, you know, a break in the branch. You could very well cut back with a concave cutter to a nice, smooth, rounded cut. Um, okay. So... But yeah, those are those are really sought after tools. I I know a lot of people usually start out with their bud trimmer, um, and then they'll they'll seek out like the concave cutter or the next tool on our list would be the um, the knob cutter. Um, but yeah, the concave cutter they, they typically are a little bit more expensive. And I mean, we we talk about price points after we kind of go through the tool <laughs> list here, but they tend to be more expensive because it's a very specialty tool. Uh-huh. They only make them specifically for bonsai uh, trimming. And if you treat your tools properly, it's going to last you forever. So it's worth the investment to get, you know, I mean, you don't need to get the highest quality one, but a good mid-range tool is worth the expense, I think, especially if you're serious about bonsai. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a hands down the most useful tool when mm-hmm. it comes to walk, working with raw stock. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like if someone brings me a tree and it's fresh and it's like not even pre bonsai, it's just some raw stock nursery plant, and they're like, okay, what do we do? The first thing we do is we take out our concave cutter and also and uh, our knob cutter, <laughs> also that? known as the ball cutter. Yeah, the spherical cutter, the ball cutter. the 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 ball cutter is a little bit more of a Jesus. Uh, wouldn't use that one as often because you if you get people who just make sly jokes uh, so just called a spherical cutter um, but yeah it's shaped like a literal ball or sphere and so it's mm-hmm. similar in a way to the um, concave cutter but instead we're we're going to have something that scoops out wood and this is another mm-hmm. highly specialized bonsai tool yeah um, and they tend to be very expensive depending on quality and they can be anywhere i've seen them same thing four inches all the way up to just absolute monsters of tools 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is your your workhorse tool. This mm-hmm. is for scooping out wood. Um, let's say you're trying to create taper in a tree. Um, you go in and you're just going to be able to go in and you want to push the tool. And this is something that a lot of people are not very careful about. Mm-hmm. If they push that that tool into the wood, let's say it's usually used for taking off branches and they'll say, how much wood do I remove? And you're like, okay, well, the shoulder of that branch was a certain size, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to make a make if you're trying to make a flush cut, you usually want to push the the ball cutter or the spherical cutter to the shoulder, and then and then just kind of give it a little bit of of force slightly, and scoop out the the base of that branch. Yeah, you want a little bit of a of a concave hole there, which is you know. But you use the spherical cutter, not the concave cutter. But um, you want a little bit of a dip, a dip there, so that when it heals over, it heals over smooth. Because if you cut it just just flush, sometimes you get a little bump there. So yeah. that's the really nice thing about the spherical cutter is you can push in and kind of get a nice round hole sphere out of the wood. Um, then that will then heal over. And you could also use this tool for uh, root pruning practices as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like Especially if you're, if you're trying to really get under there and get some of those big woody roots or the big woody chunk that's formed over time out from under your tree. This podcast is supported by Bonsai Bar, the beginner bonsai workshop popping up in breweries all across the Northeast. Bonsai Bar is two hours of tiny tree goodness disguised as a night out with friends. Come grab drinks, create a new tree, and watch as your friends and family get the bug for bonsai. Bonsai Bar is always looking for teachers and assistants, and you listen to this podcast, so you're probably already qualified. Bring your knowledge out to the bar. Apply today. Find event tickets, contact info, and more at bonsaibar.com. The next tool I would put in your tool bag, and this is a root work tool, and Mm -hmm. since we're talking about roots, is the flat cutter. So mm-hmm. is this also the branch cutter? It's or trunk splitter. It can also be called a trunk splitter, and there's a couple of different variants on this. The trunk splitter. Mm-hmm. So the it's like a imagine like a beaver tooth. It's like two beaver beaver teeth coming together. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of overlap a little bit. And a trunk splitter, they tend to have a bit, little bit more of a triangle shape where they come into each other, so that when you split a trunk or a branch mm-hmm. with it. Um, and by the way, trunk trunk splitting and branch splitting for boneside beginner stuff. Don't worry too much yeah, about that. This is unless... an advanced technique. You don't need this one in your tool bag right away. But the flat cutter is a little bit different because it doesn't go in. Mm-hmm. It's like the concave cutter. Instead of being round, It the blade actually is all the way, it's flat. So when you push it up mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. Uh, the base of the, the root system, it makes a very flat cut. Nice. Um, and so I wonder if we have some right here I have uh, I'm going to show you Carmen so I know you can see hold on a second so that mm-hmm. yeah it's flat yeah. and the branch the, the branch splitter comes in just a little bit more yeah you're right yeah the branch uh, splitter is more like flat on top and comes in yeah. like you're right like teeth whereas the round one or the flat cutter is just more like a flattened circle on top yeah, it it kind of squished deceiving. over. It looks like a con. It looks like a concave cutter, but it doesn't have mm-hmm. the yeah. Comes up. Um, and so I use this tool 
a lot for when I'm, and this is a small one. Um, you know. We use a really big one for plating trees. So like if a tree has its tap root coming out the bottom, I'll go <laughs> up underneath with this tool. And, and this is, a, like I said, I, you got, I know you guys can't see it, but, um, but this is a, this is a, um, let's see, this is a 12 inch. I'll use an upwards of like a 20 inch mm-hmm. on old cypresses and just get in there and just tear into the roots. It's a lot better. I'm not tearing into, I'm cutting nice and flat so that I can do mm-hmm. what's called plating. So the tree can sit nice and flat in a bone so I can tear in the future. Yeah. And, uh, and I usually recommend people use hand tools as opposed to power tools like this. Yeah. Uh, for for root work. So it's a great tool to have, but you don't need a 20 inch one. You can yeah. get a flat cutter in like a 10 inch and that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and it's not really a tool that you want to get like in four inches because it would just be kind of silly. It's way too small. Yeah. There's no point in getting a tiny one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then I think there needs to be the next tool we could talk about. I need, there needs to be a difference between the bud trimmer and the mm-hmm. root scissor. Yeah. Yep. Your bud trimmer is usually a little bit smaller um, so that you can really get into some of those tinier, you know, refined branches on the top of your tree um, so that you can do some of the real delicate work. Whereas your root scissor can be a little bit more heavy duty because it's going to be cutting through not just roots, but it's going to be like cutting through your soil aggregate as well. And that can really beat up some scissors pretty easily. Yeah. And, so uh, you, can, you can retire your old scissors if they're messed up or broken or whatever. You can retire those to root scissors, but it's good too to to get yourself a pair of heavy duty scissors to begin with as to use as root pruners because um yeah, you don't want to use the the same scissors that you're cutting the top of your tree with to cut the bottom of your tree. Yeah, cuz I mean you you really want you really want to put your um you really want to put your top tools and your root tools is kind of what I call it. Like you mm-hmm. want the, the tools that you work the top of your tree with, and then you want your root tools in a separate bag. Don't mix them up because yeah, you'll cut right through your soil aggregate and you'll chip your tools, dull them up really fast. And roots, you know, have sand and fine particles mm-hmm. that just, that's the worst. That's your fine, sharp tools, worst enemy. It'll dull it so yeah. much faster than you imagine. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah. So, so we got our bud shear. We got our, our the bud trimmer, our bud shear, our leaf, leaf trimmer, which they sometimes call it. So you got that. You got your uh, concave cutter. You got your spherical cutter. You've got your flat cutter. You've got your root scissors, which are more, uh, they're also called butterfly shears because the, the sides come out. Yeah, to give you more quote unquote leverage, but I mean, I've never I noticed. Don't, I don't like that one. I just like the the bigger style shears rather yeah. than the butterfly ones. My hands get stuck in the butterfly ones. And I pinch myself. But oh yeah, I've like I said, small hands. Lovely. So that, that's here's another pro tip, guys. If you're using bone size shears and and you're really pi- applying a lot of pressure, and you get the palm of your hand stuck between the other end and it pinches it it will bruise the crap out of you um it's got some nice blood blisters from that one we're really making this sound very appealing to people you know just (laughs) just be be careful these are these are these are for cutting and like for for work these are i mean bonsai tools some people will look at them and be like oh man i would i wish i could do bonsai like that but the tools are so expensive and they're you know like there's this tool and that tool i don't know which tool to use Mm-hmm. And it just comes down to 
experience. And I mean, we're, I'm going to just be honest with like how some of these tools work, you know? Um, so, I mean, it just, it's the reality of it. They're sharp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, but I think our next tool on the list, um, would be your, your wire trimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and those come in different styles and fashions and yeah, I- go ahead. Sorry. Interrupted. No, it's okay. Um, like the the typical blunt nose wire trimmer works fine, and they also have like the the long handle ones, and then they have <laughs> the plier style ones, and people use all kinds. Of, they have it's a preference tool, whatever yeah. cuts your wire, but just don't use uh, what they call wire dikes or the uh, or like the really heavy duty big pointy nosed uh, wire cutters because you'll cut your yeah. branches and scar them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I use, there's two wire cutters that I, I usually go to. There's, um, uh, I like kind of your standard bonsai wire cutter, you know. Um, and then there's a, a little one. It's actually, it's a Masakuni tool, which that's kind of, that's, that brand can get kind of expensive, but it's a, it's a very small wire cutter that fits in your hand. And so when you're doing fine wiring, you can hold on to the wire cutter as you're wiring. So you don't have to stop, grab your wire cutter and come back if you're able to keep it in your hand and still wire so you can save yourself a little bit of time. So those are the two that I primarily use. But I think generally speaking, you can get away with just a standard bonsai wire cutter. They also make something called a flart, uh, which is like a 20 flart with an L, not a fart. Um, Flart, flart, a flart. Um, That is, uh, it's like 20 bucks and those work really well too. So there's some cheaper options when it comes to wire cutters. So it's kind of a, it's a personal preference thing. What, what feels good in your hand um, and what works for the kind of wiring you're doing. And I know that a lot of people, they'll go in and buy some of their tools and be like, this tool's expensive. This one's expensive. The, the wire cutter is, is one of those tools that you don't have to spend a lot of money on right away. Obviously you could buy mm-hmm. a wire cutter for like, you know, 50, 80, a hundred dollars. And you're like, oh, what am I doing? I'm just cutting wire with this thing. But <laughs> you're going to cut a lot of wire. <laughs> the different degrees, exactly. The different degrees of stuff that you do with these wire trimmers and the the edge, the cutting edge of it, the snub nose, mm-hmm. especially. I think everybody should have like a four inch snub nose cutter. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're cutting bigger pieces of wire, then yeah, you're going to want to use the heavier duty or wow, the heavier duty or <laughs> um. But yeah, they're they're really important uh, to have in your tool bag. But if you can't afford to get the tool, the wire cutter, at, you know, at the same time, then use whatever wire cutters that you have available. You know, in a regular tool bag, like your workshop mm-hmm. tool bags, or go out to Harbor Freight or Lowe's or Home Depot, whatever hardware store you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because the uh, this tool, the wire cutter, and then the other tool that is not normally, you know, because I'm going off of I work and run our bonsai nursery here. Um, Underhill in Folsom, Louisiana, and I'm just going off of what I sell a lot, and I sell a lot of bo- uh, bud shears, and I sell a lot of concave cutters, and I sell a lot of knob cutters, or spherical cutters, but I don't sell a lot of wire cutters, and I definitely really? don't sell a wad of, a lot of um a wad. I don't sell a wad of skin <laughs> pliers. I wouldn't I, sell it in a wad either. Yeah, you can't really wad them up very easily, but yeah, yeah. they're the li- that the li- surprises me. I feel like. Wire cutters and gin pliers are like, you They're need those important. if you're going to do bonsai. And a but lot of beginners think the opposite of that. So what it do is, I know? It's very interesting. 
because they're like, oh, pliers. I got those in my closet. I got those in my shed. You know, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, the gym yeah. player. You can use those, but it's not, it's not the same. Go ahead. You're, I interrupt. I just keep interrupting. Right, no, right, right. no, you're, you're, uh, we're on the show together, Carmen. Now, um, <laughs> now, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of great points to be made with that. Uh, with, I mean, they're gin pliers for a reason. They're bonsai Pacific tool for a reason. You keep on hearing me say Pacific over and over again. They're specifically made for bonsai. So I use channel like you know your your regular channel locking like not the not the 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 sliding channel ones that that come to the side the like the I forget what those are called they would they, people refer to them as channel lock because that's the brand but I also call the other ones like the snub nose kind of just regular I, plier that has the two yeah. channels on it yeah I, I standard use, yeah your standard one I use that for wiring trees and pots. But I use my gin pliers for bending wire onto a branch or holding wire in place while I'm bending or applying wire. Mm-hmm. It's a finesse tool. And yeah. learning how to utilize your gin plier and your and your wire cutter at the same time is is a skill that is invaluable. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and so uh, what would you want to say about the gin plier? I didn't mean to go into a whole thing there. Oh, I don't remember. Um. <laughs> Healing Deadwood is one of your favorite things to do. I, yeah, I was going to say that not just peeling or not just uh, unwinding or winding wire around a branch, but the gin plier is, as the name would imply, for creating gin. So pulling off bark, um, peeling deadwood, um, all that wonderful stuff. And you can't really do that with, you know, your standard toolbox pliers. You you need something with a smaller nose on it, like the gin plier. Um, so it's, it's worth having in your toolbox, especially if you're going to be doing a lot of work with deadwood. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a crucial tool, you know? (laughs) Um, and then for the last essential tool that I can think of, um, because a lot of the other stuff is going to be accessory tools. I'll give you guys a short little running list of those, but the last most important tool, uh, we did a skit on this for the, one of the national critiques. Mm-hmm. best tool you put in your toolbox hands down is a bamboo chopstick yep best tool ever yep um so carmen this give us a little bit favorite. of a rundown of why oh. you love bamboo chopsticks so much let me tell you how much i love bamboo <laughs> chopsticks i <laughs> we we make our own um out of you know bamboo and i it's just i really like making them so um it's a really crucial tool. We use it for, you know, t- testing the soil to see how compact it is and if a tree needs to get repotted. We use it to clean off soil surfaces. We use it as a pointer. We use it to, <laughs> I don't know, I sometimes clean off like dead wood with it um, if I need to like scrape at something. For repotting, it's completely necessary for going through your roots and spreading them out and or chopsticking soil soil into your pot. Um, And they're totally customizable if you're making them yourself. So you can totally just use one that you get from your favorite Asian restaurant or you can make them yourself. And um, I, I like making them for different purposes. So I have like, you know, your standard chopstick. Um... I like making a nice little short one that you can go in underneath the branches of your tree when you're repotting to chopstick your soil in. 
Um, having a really long, thin one can be super helpful for those really tight spots when you're repotting. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I use it all the time for everything. So definitely have at least one chopstick, if not more, in your tool bag. Yeah. And the restaurant chopsticks are fine. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have a tendency to like break and snap a little easier. So yeah. I prefer to make mine out of giant bamboo rounds. And I know those are yeah. accessible in different places. You got to either order them online or you can get lucky and find somebody who has it in their yard. Um, and you cut it down and let it dry. Um, go, let it go from green to dry tan. And then, mm-hmm. you, and then you can use your branch splitter or your flat cutter to cut mm-hmm. beautiful chopsticks out of it. And like Carmen was saying, you want to have them for every purpose. You have really skinny ones. You have big, chunky, fat ones um, so that you can either scale uh, the soil that you're chopsticking in during a repot or you can use a really fine one to pick um, the bark or a deadwood hole or a shari or whatever you're trying mm-hmm. to excavate. It's a endless possibilities with this tool. It's a mm-hmm. top and bottom tool. That's what I like to kind of call it the person sitting next to you with it what you know why not i had this really wonderful little tiny chopstick and i lost it i don't know where it went and i'm sad because i loved that chopstick it was to make a new uh, one was it like like about this long it was about probably about two inches yeah it was a shorty uh i might have took it on accident (gasps) you have my shorty i i think i do i I had to go back and i'll make a new one yeah (laughs) It, it, uh, My gift you know, to you. Enjoy. It's a gift. <laughs> you can tell that a chopstick's well-loved whenever all the the little ratty edges of it and everything is smooth. Yeah, once it's, it's like been polished smooth. from just someone using it all the time. Those are my favorite mm-hmm. chopsticks. So mm-hmm. if I see one, I have a tendency to pick it up. So I probably took it on <laughs> Uh, it's probably still my chapstick. Ah, yeah. That's short, okay. We have a short, lot of timber long. bamboo here that I can I can play with. Oh my god, my cats are fighting. I'm sorry. They're fighting what? over I have a piece of luggage sitting in my room. Oh, they I think, wanna, Ro- they I think Rosie was in it and now Coco's in it. <laughs> they're they're fighting over who gets to be in the, the piece of luggage. Um anyway. but yeah, there's so much more we could say about tools and all the good stuff and uh that you could have in your toolbox. I'll just give you guys a short rundown of other really useful tools to add to your tool bag. Um, there's, there's two others with that probably are kind of necessary. Uh, which which one is that? The root hook and or the scythe for um, repotting. Yeah. We didn't really talk about those. You can do a lot with a chopstick, but sometimes you really need a root hook or a scythe to get your tree out of your pot. Anyway. Um, really, that's mostly what you're doing with it. But and anyway... What- and what's uh, the root hook is a, is different. Uh, that mm-hmm. one's literally like a meat hook is what I kind of call it. It's a little brutal. Um, mm-hmm. So that's for working stock with like some serious unworked wrapping roots uh, or you're just having a hard time and you, you're you tired of, of asking and saying please and now you just need to just get in there and do it. <laughs> it's kind of what the root hook's for. Yep. Yeah, the comma or the root saw, um, those are both really essential tools. Um, so you can, you can find those at different retailers and stuff like that. Um, just, you know, shameless drop here is, uh, I have stuff like that listed on online at underhillbonesizestore.com and I'll have all the Joshua Roth tools that we'll have really soon here as well. Um, in stock, a list on our website for sale. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, yeah, the root, I agree with you, Carmen, the root hook and the, and the root, uh, saw like the, the comma is a, is a essential tool. 
Hey guys, it's Evan. Just wanted to take a moment to tell you guys about uh, Bonsai Central. It's going to be a professional bonsai show going to be put on in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, technically Collinsville, Illinois, uh, but it's right in the same metro area. It's going to be May 3rd to 5th in 2024. It's going to be an amazing show. They're going to have top quality trees showing uh, similar to what they had at the Bonsai, Pacific Bonsai Expo and the U.S. National Show. There was also going to be a Kusumono and Soiseki exhibit as well. And so with all those trees on display, there's going to be cash prizes. There's going to be 7,500, 7,500 prices, including the top prize that's going to be 2,500 for best tree and show. Uh, there's going to be an awards presentation dinner. Um, it's going to be included in the registration. And so make sure you go over to Bonsai Central. So it's going to be bonsai-central.com and go over there and uh, and submit your submission fee. They have a call for trees right now and uh, they will be uh, accepting submissions up until February 1st. So make sure you get your pictures and your and your examples of how your display is going to look over to, uh, to Bonsai Central. It's going to be Timothy Houston that you'll be dealing with exclusively for the uh for the tree submit submissions he's looking for two to four photos of your tree or display a brief and a brief description of your tree uh exhibited trees it's uh suiseki and kusumono will be included in a book a show book like they do similar for the national show um also make sure that you come and check out the vendors that will be at bonsai central this year coming up they're going to have amazing bonsai potters uh, you're going to have amazing bonsai stand makers, uh, just to name a few. You're going to have now uh, Tokateki, uh, Vicki Chamberlain, Ellie Atkins of Waldo uh, Street Pottery, April Gaspi, Roy Mineraya, and also Byron Myrick, just to name a few. It's going to be sellers of imported Japanese and antique Chinese pots, as well as uh, nurseries from all around the country featuring Yamadori pre-bonsai mid-range to show quality trees in Kusumono for sale. So when you attend the show, you can pick up a, tr a show tree there and uh, hopefully have something that you can enter the show the next year. Um, don't Also, don't miss out on our amazing bonsai headliners. So as far as bonsai artists, including Bjorn Bjornholm, Taylor Sh uh, Sherid, Miria Hijik, Andrew Robson, and Mario Stenberger, and I can't forget the Kusumono master herself, Young Cho, will all be giving workshops and presentations. So go over to bonsai-central.com and fill out your form and register and submit your tree or buy tickets for the weekend and come celebrate Bonsai with us. But <laughs> other little little things, little things, uh, that we <laughs> have in our tool bag is, uh, and I'm just going to go through them real quick so we can get to our next segment. Uh, yep. The bonsai trowel, it's like a miniature trowel to push your soil down. Yeah. It's a little tool. I uh, never use that. Yeah. I like using it. <laughs> and, and it evens out your soil. It gets a nice soil surface and it gets does. your lip down. Um, and then also, I I use mechanics picks, like the metal picks that you use for like picking uh, seals and, um, and gaskets. Mm -hmm. They're great for, they're kind of like a chopstick, but it's like you're, it's your metal chopstick, but it has a fine point for digging things out or getting things started when you're inspecting, uh, you know, flaky wood or uh, sometimes I find bugs with them and I just stab the bug if I don't mm -hmm. like it. 
Um, I'm pretty brutal about that sometimes. Um, you also have your your uh, your moss brush, which is for cleaning your surface off during. I love that's like my favorite tool. I love that little brush. That has to be the 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 number one tool that I have people like turn their nose up at. And be like, that's the worst tool in the tool bag. That tool. Sucks. No, it is not. Do you know and how many then, people have dirty soil surfaces because they don't use their moss brush? Let yep. me tell you something. Everybody yep. needs one of those. Put a moss brush. It looks like a miniature, so it looks like a miniature um, what it's is it? C- cinnamon broom? Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an adorable tool and it's, it's very, very useful. Cute. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I've used my moss brush so much, I've got electrical tape holding it together because it's starting <laughs> to travel. Um, yeah. And then you got your, you have your grafting knife, high quality one sided grafting knife for grafting, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and then you've got your um, your carving tools, miscellaneous scooping and uh, and draw blades carving tools. Those are all very useful. There's mm-hmm. so many different hand carving tools out there, though. I'm not going to break all those down. Let's just be here. All yeah, that's that's for something. Another episode on. Yeah. Lots of intricate things mm-hmm. you can do there. And then you got your tweezers, which are also so kind of like another picking tool. Um, so as you can see, like there's a lot of things that just like you need a tool for every little si- situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of where, you know, where that kind of ends up there is just like some people and some people make their own tools. Some people manufacture their own tools with like welding or cutting and stuff. That's really cool for mm-hmm. like things that they need to get done. I know a lot of people do right that with like branch benders are just like a huge thing. Um, again, this is bonsai basics. Branch bender is a very advanced technique tool. Don't go out there buying branch benders online and then putting okay. it on your juniper that has like a barely a one inch trunk mm-hmm. um now if you've got a tree that's highly valuable and you need to crank it down i mean i've seen people like that one that michael has in the shop that one that's got like a turnbuckle style mm-hmm. that thing's incredible and those things yeah. are we've been using that a lot lately highly valuable for compressing branches and bending them when you can't do it with just the strength of your arm yeah so when you guys get more advanced and you're and you find yourself bending branches that you can't use either your your raw physical strength in your arms or fingertips and then you're using like your body weight to bend a branch you might be working on a different type of tree yeah um so but yeah um but we can pick through tools some more um i'm gonna like on our patreon page um i always post well, I'm starting now too to get more consistent with this. We'll post the the, the link to the the episode, and then we'll we have uh, comments on there that you guys can leave, and I'll go through them and, and say what's your favorite tool in your tool bag if you're working on bonsai, and we can go in there and read the comments and uh, kind of discuss. So mm-hmm. I highly encourage you guys to go over there and do that. But uh, I wanted to talk about some really quick cre- uh, tree critiques in our uh, Discord server. If you've got a moment, Carmen, I do. In fact, awesome. Uh, I've always got time to look at at other people's trees and uh, oh yeah, and do and do some uh, some criticism. We're not judging. We're not being mean here. Uh, we're, what we're we're doing is we want to help. We want to support the bonsai community by showing people that you know not every tree is an award winner. Uh, not every tree comes from from gold. They're not chiseled from the side of a you know a gold mine of bonsai trees. A lot of trees are start from very rudimentary places. So. But yeah, if you go over to um, our Instagram page and you'll see under the description, I'll tell you exactly what episode the trees are listed in. This is also going to be a separate post from the Joshua Roth giveaway 
uh, share and and boost. Mm-hmm. And so disregard that one um, because we're going to have a little mention on there. If you become a patron, uh, then you get part uh, become part of our our pool for this this giveaway that we're doing. But that's going to be a different post, so don't worry about that one. But this one's going to have a picture of an olive and a picture of a ginkgo in it. Um, and so we'll start with the olive. This was um, a tree submitted to our Discord server. It was submitted by... Let me go find it real quick. Make sure I got the right... Um, it was submitted by Taylor. And I know that he has... Taylor! Some, um, some updated photos of this tree, but we're, we're going back to one of the first photos because I want to just kind of talk about it from the starting point. Um, so we got an olive here. Um, it has kind of a bulbous Nabari base that comes up and it's slender. And then mm-hmm. the taper is kind of the same throughout it, throughout the yeah. rest of the tree. Um, and there's a couple of different angles that he's kind of turned it to. And I see one angle is is like kind of gives you this generic kind of S-curve kind of shape. But the photo that's going to be in our Instagram is the one, it's actually the front that I like a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Carmen, what do you think about the olive? Um, I think that this is a young tree that, well, I mean, the, it has some age to it as far as the nabari and the barking up on the trunk. But as a bonsai, it feels like a young tree to me. I wouldn't do very much to this outside of letting it grow. I think there's a nice first branch. There's a nice second branch. You can see where a back branch is. But I would really let the top run, I think, and try to create some taper. So let it run and then cut it back once there is a place to transition it into some taper. Um, so I, I think that it just it needs time really and um more options as to where to go as far as where your next cut's gonna be, where your canopies or where your apex is gonna be, that kind of thing. I, I don't think it's I think that it's too straight as far as or there's not enough taper through the whole tree to really start styling it yet. So um I think it's a nice piece of material uh early in development. Yep. Um, and you, you'll probably hear us say that about trees every once in a while, um, when we do these critiques and, and that's, that's okay. Cause we've got time, um, mm-hmm. to grow these trees out. And I don't know from the photo that I'm looking at of it, I can't tell if that is dead wood in the trunk. I, I think mean, so. The front, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Um, if you want to maintain that dead wood, then you're going to have to reopen it if you're blowing it out, like if you're going to let it grow and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I don't know how the root density is on this tree. Much you, you might have to do a slip pot to a slightly larger container or double mm-hmm. pot it to allow it to run some more. Mm-hmm. I know olives are relatively hardy plants. Uh, they do really well here in Louisiana, and I know, I know they do really well in dry, much drier environments where it's harsher and hotter. They're kind of like a weird Mediterranean-style hot humid but then also dry hot you know they're just they're kind of like a bald cypress they can grow just about anywhere um (laughs) and so i would get this guy in the sun see if you can get some promote some back budding lower down on the tree (laughs) um i mean because you might find out later on that that straightness in that on above that nabari if you got if you had a bud pop further down there there might be a better chance to grow it out get some get some nice big chunkiness to that bottom of that tree and you might be able to cut it to that first branch that's coming down uh, mm-hmm. 
above above the soil line there because they have that first branch wired down at an angle and it's got that very very straightforward that it's a beautiful shape it's like mm-hmm. what you should want aim for a, like your a lot of your pine tree style bonsai branches to look yeah um so you might be surprised though i've i've built an entire tree off of three branches mm-hmm. so yeah you can totally that. do it what was that you can totally do that mm-hmm. yeah so getting some buds to pop down below, getting some girth in that trunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trunk does have a good amount of of uh, of size to it towards the bottom there. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, you lose a lot of interest. I mean, you have that nice curve where that first branch is, and then it comes up and it's straight again. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I think can you graft olives? You probably can. You could do. Um, yeah. It feels like it might be a good candidate for a uh, thread graft here. if you can get like a nice long running branch on it and bring it back down yeah. to just help I don't know even create you know where your next cut is going to be to create some taper for a new apex yeah and and advice for if and if this you know Taylor if this tree is at the height and the size that you like it then cool then yeah. I would suggest cutting that straight section where first branch you got a second branch and you get this little side branch that's making like a bar branch almost I would mm-hmm. cut it right there mm-hmm. and snub back your branches and you can have a skinnier taller tree just keep mm-hmm. on that that straightness is going to be there forever yep so growing it out is key so and I figured we'd knock out this tree and the and the ginkgo alongside it uh this yeah. is this is a really cute little tree I love really ginkgos um uh this this ginkgo is also posted by Taylor um, I know he's moved some of these trees up to our attention um, because they've been in the Discord for a little while. So I want to go ahead and talk about this one as well. Ginkgos. So ginkgos are very, very specialized bonsai material. They're not just your regular, you know, uh, grow out the branch, wire it down, get build pads or, you know, build deciduous structure. They're, they've really got a different rhythm to the how they should, they should be developed. Uh-huh. Um so, but again, like uh, I, I can already tell what what you will say about this uh, tr- is is that this this is young, mm-hmm. very young. Um, it's it's cute. It has a very a very nice uh, size towards leaves. I mean, mm-hmm. some ginkgos are all genetically different. Um, some ginkgos have massive leaves, and some of them have a smaller clustery kind of like look to this one, like this one does. It also could mm-hmm. be. The tree just is coming into leaf as well. Okay. So, but uh, what's your take on this ginkgo or just on developing young ginkgo from stock like this? This one has a really pretty gentle curve. Like it really, I'm just, I really like it. So I think it depends on how you want to style a ginkgo. So traditionally they're styled in the flame style. So it's all very upright. You have your trunk, but you have multiple branches kind of coming off the trunk at different places along the trunk, and they're all kind of going up and a little bit out, but mostly up. Um, so that's a very traditional style. If you wanted to do that with this, it would require um, a lot of letting it run and some gentle wires pulling things, pulling everything up. But I I like that it has kind of a straight trunk with a really graceful curve. So what, I think what I would do with this one is style it maybe more traditionally um, as a deciduous tree and not in that that flame style. And so the the branch on the right that's a little bit more um, subordinate to that the big the taller branch on the left, I would be sure to keep that one on the right in check. Uh, uh, 
smaller than the one on the left, um, just so that it doesn't, so that branch doesn't become too thick and start to overpower that the main line of that tree. So I would, again, kind of just let it grow and then really just kind of do a, a cut and grow on this until you need to put wires on things to kind of create a nice little canopy. I don't, I don't think that there's too much to do on it at this point, um, but I really like where it's going. I think that curve is just, it's really gentle and pretty and I like it. One of the things too is that there, I see that bud at the very bottom at the base mm-hmm. of the tree. If mm-hmm. that bud ever pops, do not cut it off. Mm-hmm. Let that run so you can yeah. get some meat to the bottom of this tree. Yeah. Um, I know the li- I know ginkgos don't really grow like that. You really have to do some pinching and you have to cut back hard for them. They encourage them to do that. Um, yeah. But, you know, for young stock like this, unless you want to, and I, and I hate hearing the thing where it's like, put it in the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say that, but I, I've seen pot grown, uh, containerized grown bonsai trees that have been in a pot for 30, 40 years and they're absolutely amazing. So, um, but I mean, one of the best ways to get this tree to thicken up is to let it, you know, if you want to run it out, like we were talking about the olive earlier, mm-hmm. but if you want to keep it simple, a simplistic form is, is all, is like, sometimes it's better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage people to take deciduous trees and do simple things, skinny, tall it, trees. Because a lot of people look down on the the faraway tree designs because mm-hmm. they don't think it looks mature enough. Yeah. So, you know, but it's all it's to each his own as well, like as far as your your taste and what you like to see in your bonsai trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like seeing a ginkgo that's, you know, not styled in the traditional how many flame style ginkgos can you see you know oh, like it's fun to see something a little bit different this one has such grace to it already that i think i wouldn't want to try and change that yeah but yeah i would keep it in a big pot make sure it's well fertilized and just let it let it chunk up yeah so thank you taylor uh for submitting your trees for our inspection for our Yay, thank you taylor um, sorry it took us so long to get to them no it's a yeah. We, we have a lot of things going on as far as bonsai <laughs> and as far as the discord goes there's a lot of there's a lot of good talk community talking in there we love that um just make sure that for our other listeners out there and our other bonsai best buds don't be shy put it in the the tree critique uh thread and tag me and carmen and mike and we will get to it and we'll talk about it um so yeah let's show to our bonsai word of the week um, real quick, and then we'll wrap up for the for this uh, this episode. So you brought up this word of the week. Uh, you felt like it was appropriate for this time of the year and for talking mm-hmm. about schools as well. And what's that word of the week, Carmen? This week's word of the week is callous. Yep, you heard that right. That, we we got we're kind of away from uh, the Japanese words now. We're just kind of talking about. <laughs> we're just going with words that are relevant to bonsai. Yeah. We talked about yep. branches a good bit on some of the episodes, but uh, this this particular word I think is very important. It's something that people don't think about when they're healing wounds and yep. growing out branches. So tell us about how plants callus since you're the you're the nerd. <laughs> the the <laughs> yeah, horticulturist, so I'm sorry. Is the tissue that forms over a wound on a branch or the trunk um, as that's healing. So when you get that, you know, when you start to see like the the, the trunk the the cambium of the trunk kind of rolling over that wound that's the callus that's forming 
um, to close that wound and heal that wound. And so you want to encourage the callus to grow over those wounds. Um, some of the cut pastes have, um, I think, some plant hormones in them that will help them close a little bit faster. You can always, at certain times of the year, sometimes in the summertime when the plants are actively growing, we'll go in with our fancy schmancy chopstick and just, you know, slightly kind of poke around the edge of, of that callus just to encourage um, it. Encourage it, yeah, to grow, mm-hmm. grow faster. Um, but callus is also when you are um, doing cuttings or air layers, it's that part of the tissue that starts to get chunky and create those new roots as well. Um, so callus comes in a couple different, you know, it's still it's still showing up at the, the site of a wound to create, um, you know, branches or uh, root tissue for like on a cutting or an air layer. Um, but yeah, more generally, I think we see it when we're uh, trimming branches and um, closing wounds that we can, you know, above above the soil level, but it can be below the soil level as well. Yeah. And uh, another note, if you're trying to heal a wound and, and get callusing, you want to let branches run or your new leader, if you made a chop, you want to let it run as long as possible and okay. you want to start building up callusing really nice and strong. Otherwise, the tree will never really pull the sap across it. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it's one of the keys to cutting down a tree that needs taper and you got to grow out the wound mm-hmm. uh, and, and heal it with a callus. Calluses... Unfortunately, they don't really have, they're not tissue that will ever generate buds on top of no? the Sometimes it will. On the edges? They or on the edge. Yeah, you're right. On the edge. That's, yeah. yeah, that's what I was kind of, yeah. yeah. But that's another thing to be cautious about is like, because certain trees, if they get a wound, they're going to try to re- uh, replace. Mm-hmm. And so just watch your calluses where a lot of buds will pop up and they'll start swelling out and then you'll have to cut another part off of it again and cause another callus issue. Yeah. So just be careful with those swelling points. When we're when we're trimming and pruning in the fall, a lot of times we'll leave a stub, um, it, you know, so that if there's a little bit of dieback in the branch, it doesn't die back into the trunk or into the main branch that we want to keep. Um, but like late spring and then into summer is a great time to work on cleaning up stubs that you have left on your tree or cleaning up old wounds, reopening those calluses or cutting those stubs back kind of into the branch and, and then, you know, sealing it over because as the plant's actively growing, that's when it's really going to form the best kind of callus. Um, so I wouldn't recommend working on, you know, trying to um, clean up any of your stubs or or that kind of thing right now. But once you hit summertime, that's a super fun time to, I, I love going in on, on our maples and really digging in there and um, cleaning My up all the cutter. stubs that we made in the fall. That's the best use for your concave cutter in that in that situation. There you go. Your concave cutter, your spherical cutter, your carving yep. tools. Don't cut yourself. Don't cut yourself. I think that's <laughs> one of the takeaways from this episode is uh, be careful. Tools are sharp. Don't <laughs> drop them. Tools are sharp. <laughs> um, they're heavy metal and they they will not hesitate to, uh, to jack you up. So yep. be careful with your tools. Don't work over your head. Um, don't, you know, maybe, maybe wear some safety glasses every once in a while. Just practice, uh, PPE. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we could have a whole episode on PPE and I could totally geek out. Do you know how many trainings I've had on PPE and safety? Oh, woof. In the environment that you work in at the university. At the university every year I get safety training. Yeah. So, uh, 
we're kind of coming towards the the end here, guys. If you've listened this far, thank you so much for listening to Little Things. And uh, if this is your first episode, I'm sorry. Um, just <laughs> doing a lot now. Um, but yeah, no, this has been a great episode. Uh, we do want to do sh- uh, some short shout outs really quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Close you guys out for the week. Uh, so if you want to check out my material, my content, some more stuff that I do around here at Underhill, you can go to underhillboneside.com. Uh, read some articles that I've written. You can go over to Underhill on YouTube. I've got a couple of embarrassing uh, low quality videos over there to watch. Um, yes. Go over to Underhill Boneside store. Um, and I've got stock and material. I have some Joshua Roth tools for list list uh, listing on there that we'll be selling. Uh, and then um, I've got some trees. I'm chipping a lot of bald cypress and stuff right now. Um, so this, this is a great time to go buy trees because they're dormant. So that'd be great for you guys to go ahead over there and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, Carmen, where can they check out your stuff real quick? You can find me on Instagram at Becoming Bonsai. I'm also on Facebook. Um, also check out the Purple Pot Society. That's the National Women's Bonsai Group where we work to educate and inspire women to get into bonsai. You don't have to be a member or <laughs> you don't have to be a member. You don't have to be a woman to join. Um but it is uh, a group focused on getting more women interested and into bonsai. So you can check that out as well. Um, and don't forget, I'm just going to put a quick shout out in here before we get on to Mike's stuff. Don't forget to uh, sub- to be a, a f- become a $5 patron yeah. um, sometime before December 25th to be entered into our Joshua Roth uh, tool giveaway. Yeah. Go over to patreon.com forward slash little things for boneside people and become a $5 boneside best bud. We will love you as much as that, you know, and, you know, as, as much as possibly uh, as possible that, you know, to, you know, within comfort zone. Yeah. Until uh, it gets weird. And if, if you're already a $5 patron, <laughs> it's <laughs> you're already, if you're already a $5 patron, don't worry, you're automatically entered into our contest. So, yep. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And then, yeah, for Mike, uh, go over to Ketsune Bonsai. That's Ketsune, like the little trickster uh, fox in uh, Japanese lore. Uh, go over to Ketsune Bonsai by Mike Lane on his uh, Instagram. You go to his .com, KetsuneBonsai.com for his offerings and his classes. He does online classes, Zoom seminars, and all kinds of really cool shit. That's why um, he's not here today. He's very busy. He has four private classes. He's actually in Louisiana right now working with people, which is so oh. cool. That's bananas. Why isn't he here? He should be here then. Yeah. He's, he's no excuse. He's wrapped up. Don't worry about him right now. I know. I'm he's not worried. He's uh he's doing his Mike Lane thing. Yeah. Uh but yeah. And I do want to also talk about uh say bonsai really quick. Say bonsai. Oh right. Say bonsai. Say bonsai. So it's like say bon. But uh bon. it's our, our Cajun uh crawfish boil bonsai show. Uh, yeah, as our main headliner, we're going to have Mike, and also we're going to have Shannon Slayer, uh, or Salier. Um, you know, I'm bad with names, but uh, but yeah, he and Mike both do amazing show-in material stuff. So uh, Shannon is in Tennessee, and he does a lot of junipers and pines, and Matt and Mike, you, you know what he's known for is for his tropicals. So it's going to be a pretty awesome little show, little uh, little super friends team of just bonsai artists over here. For the weekend, we're gonna have vendors. Um, we're gonna have our vendor announcement here pretty soon. Who's gonna be at our show? And um, if we get lucky, we might be able to find a live jazz band. I mean, we're we're doing oh. big. Oh, I'm so sad. I'm missing it. I can't wait to come in 2025. 2025. This is gonna be a yearly regional show that we're trying to start here. 
So yeah, I just want to build it up and get it going. So if you guys are local or if you guys know of vendors or other bonsai enthusiasts that are nearby Louisiana that are willing to make the drive, uh, we can uh, just contact me at evan at underhillbonsai.com and I can uh, help you guys with accommodations. I might find a hotel um, and see if there's something we can work out with you guys. Uh, Folsom's a beautiful area, nice and open, countryside, horses, cows. Horses. Um, you know, the people that come with the with the the country environment out with here. With the horses and the cows. It's 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 a genuine experience out here. <laughs> so come on down and and uh and see how many bald cypresses I can juggle. Um I I juggle quite a few of them here. So uh yeah, you can go over to underhillbonsaistore.com and uh say bonsai is going to be listed under our workshops here really soon or our vids tab. But yeah, just wanted to put that in there real quick. If you listen this far, you might want to hear a short advertisement about Say Bonsai. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for hanging out, Carmen. Yeah, anytime. Uh, definitely, we will. Uh, we'll be checking in. I mean, we're we're at like the end of the year here, so we'll probably be doing a wrap up episode in a few episodes. I know we got a special guest for next week, and I don't want to spoil da, da, da. it. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I really like him. Uh, as a bonsai artist, he's a big influence on me, so I'll just let uh, that one hang there as a spoiler for our hardcore little things fans out there. They're like, ooh, who could it be? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You guys have a good one. Bye. Hello, this is Emma Thunderhill. Hello, this is Emma Thunderhill.